0: The turn of phrase, uh, my hour has not yet come, or the hour has come, uh, is unique to the Gospel of John. And it has something important to say to us about the intentionality of our Savior. We'll look a little bit deeper at that on this week's episode. I'm Pastor Russell, and this is Beyond the Notes. been studying the Gospel of John on Sunday mornings at McGregor since Easter of last year, and we're taking our time. We've had a few times when we have interrupted ourselves for things like, well, Christmas time and special guests, those sorts of things, but we've been in John for a long time, and we've talked a lot about the two big sort of structural thematic things in John. We've talked about them in the pulpit, and we've also talked about them on this podcast, the seven signpost miracles of John. We gave quite a lot of attention to those and we're past the section of the Gospel of John that deals with those. The last and seventh of those is the resurrection of Lazarus. The I am statements of John uh, are going to continue. Jesus' I am statements. There's some of those yet ahead of us where we are in chapter 12. Another sort of theme that weaves with a good bit more subtlety and it's not structural it's more thematic through the gospel of john is this this speaking jesus speaking or john speaking in the narrator voice about about jesus's hour. Uh, we first encounter phraseology like that and i touched upon some of this on the lord's day but I want to flesh it out a bit here we uh, first encounter the turn of phrase at the very first miracle at uh, john chapter 2 the water into wine at canaan when mary is encouraging jesus um, after the wine runs out chapter 2 verse 3 when the wine ran out the mother of jesus said to him they have no wine and jesus said to her woman what does this have to do with me my hour has not yet come and his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, that phrase, my hour has not yet come there in John 2 verse 4, really doesn't have a lot of context around it. We don't know if, if what Jesus is saying to her is, well, it's not time for me to want any wine yet. There, there, there's no depth of significance attributed to that the first time it occurs. It's almost like a, a, a foreshadowing. Uh, we don't know that that term is going to come up again and again. In John chapter 6, when the brothers of Jesus are encouraging him to go to the Feast of Booths in Jerusalem, um, Jesus says uh, in John chapter 7, beginning in verse 5, for not even his brothers believed in him. And By the way, as a note, they wouldn't until after the resurrection. But Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come. For your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. Now, he's beginning to give it some context. Now we know that this thing of his hour coming has something to do with his being um, more fully revealed and perhaps even some connection with Jerusalem, but we don't know much yet. We're still in chapter 7. We come down to chapter 7, verse 30 for the next occurrence. Um, Jesus has made a statement that has got, uh, well, John chapter 7, verse 28. Let's look at the context. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. That is, he's making what they decode appropriately as, to them, very offensive statements about his connection to his father. They don't want to hear it. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Now, those events do take place in Jerusalem, and so now we have not only this idea of his revelation of himself, but we also have this idea of him being in a controversial or difficult position, maybe even involving an arrest, because here it says they can't arrest him for his hour had not yet come. Chapter 8, verse 20, um, he's teaching again in the temple, and he makes the statement, you know this is John 8, beginning in 19, Um they said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And these words, he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So now we have been prepared by Jesus's statements and by John's statements regarding Jesus to know that this, whatever this is of his hour, Our coming has to do with his uh, being fully unveiled in terms of his mission and his intentionality and uh, bluntly put, arrested, put in legal difficulty because his hour has come. There's a major pivot in the passage that we addressed on the Lord's Day in uh, chapter 12, verse 23, and Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And we've talked about John's use of this word glorified, always in John means unveiled, made to be fully revealed, made to be seen as as he is. And now he says the time has come for that. And that's not the last time he's going to use that phraseology, um, now going forward. He's never again going to say the hour has not yet come. It's a one-time pivot there in chapter 12. In chapter 13, verse 1, at the beginning of John's multi-chapter account of the last night of Jesus's earthly ministry, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world. Now, that's a new detail. Now we know that when we speak of his hour having come, not only is it an hour in which he will be fully revealed, but it is his death. We haven't known that explicitly before. And then the last time in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 17, verse one, he has spent, this is still Thursday night before the cross, he has spent what are to us several chapters of the Gospel of John doing his last round of teaching and discipleship for his earthly disciples. Now he is about to pray this last great high priestly prayer, which is all of chapter 17. And in the course of, of beginning that prayer, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. So in the, in the sort of subtle narrative of this, this turn of phrase of his coming hour, he's piecing together an increasingly fleshed out understanding that the cross is approaching, that his hour to be fully revealed as the sacrificial lamb of God is coming in ways it's never come before, and in fact, only had to come once for all on the cross, um, and then his, his revelation of himself and his departure from the world. What's the point? Well, it's coming into the spring of the year, it's the toward the end of February, and, and Easter is coming. And as we approach the Passion Week, it's always very um, interesting to consider the, the brutality of his sacrifice. I know that there are any number of, of Easter messages out there that deal with our Palm Sunday messages that deal with the phenomenal depth of, of horrific torture and, and brutality. And, and that has, that has its, its place. Um, I would point out that, that his death for sinners did not have to involve some given level of physical brutality. I've heard, I've heard uh, people say that the, the crucifixion of Christ is the worst possible way a person could die. You know, I, I, I'm certainly not one to be an authority on the various ways people can die, but um, crucifixion was fairly common in the Roman Empire. A lot of people were crucified. It's not the brutality of the cross that John is underscoring with Jesus' is looking forward to it. Now, now we know, by the time we know what he means by my hour has come, we know what he meant all the way back at the wedding in Cana years earlier when he said for the first time my hour has not yet come. From that time, in explicit terms, he's, he's vectoring things toward the cross. Now, in the broad biblical view, that's from eternity past. We know that. I want to suggest that as we contemplate the cross, yes, we see brutality, but we must also see intentionality, that he is not on the cross as some haphazard victim. He's not on the cross because something has failed. He's not on the cross because it's gone terribly wrong. He's on the cross to fulfill the heart of the assignment his father gave him as the savior of the world. And he knew it from long, long before he comes to his hour. He's anticipating this hour all of his life. And again, in theological terms, for all of eternity. Uh, his death for you on the cross was remarkably remarkably intentional again in upcoming lords day mornings we'll pass these statements the hour has come and we'll point that out but i wanted to lay some groundwork with you today as together we went beyond the notes i hope by now that you've uh, subscribed i hope that you share i hope that you're you're following i hope that you're with us every week uh, we certainly look forward to being with you every week here on beyond the notes.